the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Public Ministry of Jesus Christ. We are building a foundation for this public ministry, and that's where we'll spend our time together today on this edition of Abounding Grace. Greetings and welcome to Abounding Grace from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Pastor Gary Wagner has us in Luke chapter 4 in a mini-series entitled The Ministry of Jesus Christ. Now before we get to some of the specifics on this ministry that is began here in Luke 4, we want to take a look at some of the, the background, cultural history and foundations, if you will, to give us a clear understanding of the ministry that we are about to read of here in Luke 4 verses 14 through 30. Join us for this edition of Abounding Grace. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner. Now the rest of our time together, I want to address what we read there in verse 15. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up as his custom was. He went in to the synagogues on the Sabbath day. Whenever the Lord Jesus Christ went into a town to carry out his ministry... The first place that he would go was not to people's homes, but to the synagogue. Every Saturday he would go to the synagogue to preach. I want us to look at the word synagogue for just a moment. Because by the time of Jesus' day, it was an important religious institution among the Jews. Now we're going to spend the rest of our time today on the synagogue. Not just so you can have a good historical understanding of an old Jewish institution, but because the Lord Jesus Christ came to earth to start a synagogue. That really is the definition of his ministry, to build on this earth a synagogue. Beloved, you are the synagogue Christ came to build. And unless you understand what these synagogues were, what they stood for, and why they came into existence, and what the function was, you won't even understand yourselves. And you see, knowing yourself is essential to living the Christian life. Like John Calvin said on the first page of his Christian Institutes, the most important thing for us to know is to know ourselves and to know God. You can't know God until you know yourself, and you can't know yourself until you know God. And that all comes to us through the revelation of the Word of God. And the revelation of God identifies us as God's synagogue. Now, the word synagogue comes from the Greek word pronounced synagogo, and it means a gathering place. It was, the play, it was the name for the place where the Jews would come to worship Jehovah and to receive instruction from the law of God. Not just in Palestine, but all over the known world. And that is why Luke doesn't bother explaining what a synagogue is to the non-Jewish audience. He just says Jesus came to the synagogue. 
He assumes they knew what it was because they were all over the Roman Empire. Wherever the Jews were dispersed under the judgment of God, they built synagogues. So the non-Jewish people knew what synagogues were. They were places of worship and places of instruction. And as I said, these synagogues multiplied during the dispersion of the Jews, during, I, during the Israel's Babylonian captivity, as a matter of fact, about three or four hundred centuries before the birth of Christ. God sent the southern kingdom into captivity in Babylon, where they remained for 70 years. And during those 70 years, devout Jews felt the need on their Sabbath and, of course, their other feast days to gather with other pious, God-fearing Jews to worship God and to study the Old Testament, even though they were in captivity and even though the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed. So during their time in captivity, the faithful Jews met together and established embryonic synagogues in the pagan land so they could worship God and hear His word propagated. Did you know that uh, synagogue has an Old Testament mandate? Synagogues, the idea of having a place to meet and worship God and, together and be instructed in God's word together is something that actually did not originate with the people in captivity. It was mandated by God in holy writ. Turn with me, if you will, to Exodus chapter 18, and you'll see the biblical mandate for a synagogue. Exodus 18, 19. <clears throat> Exodus 18, 19. Hearken now unto my voice. I will give thee counsel, and God shall be with you. Be thou for the people to God word, that thou mayest bring the causes unto God, and thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws, shall show them the way wherein they must walk, and the work they must do. Here God commands Moses, at the very beginning, that temple worship is not all there is to this thing of being a child of God. Moses, you make sure that along with temple worship, there is practical, regular teaching of the Word of God. That the people are continually instructed in what God expects of them. And in Ezekiel chapter 4, we see one of the various examples of synagogues. And this was written at the time of the Babylonian captivity. In Ezekiel chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Then came certain of the elders of Israel unto me, and sat before me, and the word of the Lord came unto me. Here is a picture of a prophet of God with people coming and sitting around him, which is the way people were instructed of God. And then again, we see it in Ezekiel 20, verse 1. And it came to pass in the seventh year, in the fifth month, the tenth day of the month, that certain of the elders of Israel came to inquire of the Lord and set before me. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Beloved, for centuries, that was the method of teaching in the synagogues. The students would come and sit around the feet of the teacher who would instruct them in the word of God, just like Jesus when he was 12 years old. So now three things took place in the synagogue. And here now we have a starting to dovetail uh, into how the synagogue concept really affects us today. 
the first thing that took place in the synagogue was worship. It was simple. It was unornate. It was unembellished, but it was the worship of Jehovah. Number two, Christian education took place here. People were taught the word of God. The synagogues were an elementary school and they were an adult school. Parents would send their children to the synagogue to be taught and they themselves would go to be taught. And number three, it was a place where legal decisions took place. It was a court. People would come who had complaints against each other and the case would be adjudicated based upon the word of God alone. It was justice from the word of God. Now, Let's stop and make one practical application. The synagogue was a place of worship. It was a place where legal decisions were made. It was a place where Christian education from the Word of God took place for youth and adults. And the application here is exclusive homeschooling is not enough for your children. Exclusive homeschooling is not adequate preparation for life, nor is it adequate Christian education. Now, you all know I am a very strong believer in homeschooling. I homeschool my own children. I believe that parents should have the freedom to educate their children at home without any regulation at all from the state. I, in fact, believe every Christian family should homeschool. Every parent should teach their children at home. And if you are not training your children in the ways of the Lord in your home, you are sinning. You must teach your children the word of God and not depend on anyone else. But the idea that you hear in the homeschool movement That exclusive homeschooling is the biblical model is not true. Your children must be under the teaching of the church every week. And they should be attending Bible studies of the church regularly. And then you use those training sessions and build upon them when you get your children home. The church is a training center for your children and for you. That comes alongside of homeschooling. Parents, do not neglect the opportunities of your church that offers you and your family to be trained in the ways of the Lord. Because that is the biblical model. And you'll see it more conclusively later. Now, what is the relation between the synagogue and the church? You remember back when we were studying the birth narratives in Luke that I talked a great deal about the temple and all of the things that went on there. And I said that the temple was the womb of the Christian faith, the womb of the new covenant. And that's why Luke, of course, emphasized the temple of God. It was to impress upon us the continuity, again, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and that everything the temple of God symbolized, the Lord Jesus Christ would realize. The temple of God in the Old Testament symbolized fellowship with God. It symbolized reconciliation to God. And in the New Testament, the Lord Jesus Christ came to bring that reconciliation that we might enjoy fellowship with him. The temple was the womb of Christianity. Now, the synagogue is the cradle of Christianity. 
The temple is the womb of the Christianity, and the synagogue is the cradle in which the infant church in the New Testament grows up. Now, what do I mean by cradle? Wherever the Jews were scattered by God's judgment because of their apostasy, they built synagogues where the law of God was taught, where messianic prophecy was explained, and upon that base, Christ and his apostles built the church. It was so easy for them. Whenever Christ went somewhere to preach, he would go right to the synagogue. People who hungered for God's revelation were already there, beloved. Whenever the apostles later on went out to spread the word of God throughout the world, they always would go to the synagogue. That was always their first choice because they knew there were people there who wanted to hear the word of God. And it wasn't actually until Acts 19 when the Jews or the priests of the synagogue started hardening themselves against the church and started speaking evil of the way of God before the multitude and began slandering the church that Paul took the apostles and left, never going back to the synagogue again. Then they started meeting in people's homes. And then later on, of course, because of persecution, they actually started meeting in the catacombs, Roman underground or cave cemeteries. This was all of the wisdom and the sovereignty of God. Always remember, the punishment of Israel was the salvation of the world. God punished Israel by scattering her all over the world, and everywhere Israel went, she started synagogues where people came to be trained in the Word of God. And it was on that foundation that Christ and the apostles spread Christianity to the far corners of the world. And that is why Christianity was able to spread so rapidly, so early. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, there were 12 apostles. By the year 70 A.D., there were well over a 1,000 Christians in Jerusalem alone. And by the end of the first century, there were millions of Christians all over the Roman Empire. Praise God for the synagogues, beloved, and the wisdom and sovereignty of our Almighty God. Now, in America today, we have something called the home church movement, which has unfortunately grown quite rapidly recently, thanks to the teachings of Harold Camping. And the home church movement says that the spiritual thing to do is to have churches in our homes. The institutional churches, denominations are hypocritical and apostate, and we are in a new age or dispensation where the church as we have known it should be dissolved and Christians should start meeting in their homes because that was the New Testament model. Beloved, the early Christians didn't have home churches because they wanted them. They had home churches because they had to separate from the apostasy of the synagogues. They started meeting in organized churches first. They would always go to the buildings, the synagogue, to try and gather people together around the Word of God. It was only after they were kicked out of the synagogues that they started gathering in homes. So don't buy this ridiculous bill of goods that Christians should return to home worship, home churches, and abandon church buildings. That was never the biblical model. It's not a biblical idea. 
Christ and the apostles went to the church building first. It was more practical. Everything for a church was already there, including people who hungered for the Word of God. Now, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with having prayer meetings and Bible studies in your home. There's nothing wrong with family worship, I encourage, but during the week. But congregations, meetings, and buildings are far more effective as the early Christians found out. We meet as a congregation in this building as the model set by the Lord Jesus Christ and His, and His apostles. It's a lot more effective to have a building in which the church of God meets where we have a base for the conquest of the world. Are you now beginning to see how practical a study of the synagogue is? Let's now look for just a few minutes at some references in the Old Testament and the New Testament to see how the church is a synagogue. Let's take a look at Genesis 28. There's a prophecy of the church coming to us through the covenant people of God from the Old Testament. Genesis 28, 3. Genesis 28, beginning in verse 3. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may become a company or multitude of people. And underneath that word company, in the Greek New Te- Old Testament, is the word synagogue. And the prophecy here is that God is going to have a church, a synagogue, comprised of people coming from two sources. Notice the two sources from which the people are going to come as God builds this great church on earth. First of all, they are the children of believers. They are going to come right down the line out of covenant families. Secondly, it is going to be a synagogue of peoples, plural, of other ethnic groups. The church will be made up of the covenant seed growing up in the church. And as the church reaches out, people from all ethnic groups and nations and languages will be converted to Christianity. Let's look at Leviticus chapter 16 to see that the church in the Old Testament was called the synagogue even in the days of Moses. Leviticus 16.5 And he shall take from the congregation of the sons of Israel. And underneath the word congregation is the word synagogue in the Greek. All the way back to Moses, we see that there were individual churches called synagogues where there was worship education, and justice it ministered. Now, in Deuteronomy 30, God prophesies through Moses that the Messiah will come and gather up all the people scattered around the world into one great synagogue called the Church of Christ. Turn with me, if you will, to Deuteronomy 30. uh, Chapter 30 of Deuteronomy 1 through 10. And it shall come to pass when all these things are come upon thee, the blessing and the curse which I have set before thee, and thou shalt call them to mind among all the nations whether the Lord thy God hath driven thee. And thou shalt return unto the Lord thy God, and shalt obey his voice according to all the command thee this day, thou and thy children, with all thine heart and with all thy soul. That the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity and have compassion upon thee, and will return and gather thee from all the nations, whether the Lord thy God hath scattered thee. 
If any of thine be driven out unto the outmost parts of heaven, from thence will the Lord thy God gather thee, and from thence will he fetch thee. And the Lord thy God will bring thee into the land which thy fathers possessed, and thou shalt possess it, and he will do thee good, and multiply thee above thy fathers. And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart, and the heart of thy seed, to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and that thou mayest live. And the Lord thy God will put all these curses upon thine enemies, and on them that hate thee, which persecuted thee. And thou shalt return and obey the voice of the Lord, and do all his commandments, which I command thee this day. And the Lord thy God will make thee plenteous in every work of thy, of thy hand, in the fruit of thy body, and in the fruit of thy cattle, and in the fruit of thy land, for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over thee for good as he rejoiced over thy fathers. And if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of the law. And if I turn unto the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thine soul. The work of the Lord Jesus Christ on earth is to restore God's house, destroy the apostate, and organize a congregation of God's people throughout the entire world, which God calls synagoguing them, gathering them together in one new great synagogue called the church. And in Hebrews 10.23, we are called not to forsake our synagoguing, if there is such a word, assembling together. The church in the New Testament is called also the ecclesia, which means the organized assembly of all those people who God calls out of the world to himself. And when the church is called the synagogue, it has reference to an assembling of God's people officially meeting together to worship, to instruct one another, and to render judicial decisions based upon the word of God. And the church is also called the temple of God. In the New Testament, the place where God dwells. You are here, beloved, gathering as a gathering of believers in the very presence of God. Now, there are basically two practical implications for all of this. Number one, the institutional church, that's us. As a Christian, synagogue is to do three things. And if we, as a Christian synagogue here at Reformed Heritage Church, are not doing these three things, then we are being unfaithful to the one who purchased us with his own blood and who is the head of the church. This church is to be a worship center. It is to be a school, and it is to be a court. This is to be the focus of our emphasis, our energy, and our time. Everything else is extraneous. How many churches do you know that spend most of their time on other things than these? Fellowship, recovery programs, prophecy concerts, conferences, plays, concert. Not that these are all bad in and within themselves. But beloved, that's not to be the focus of the church. They've got to set priorities. God has made you a synagogue of Christ so that you will be a worship center. That you will have a craving to come into this building as a congregation to worship God. No other worship excites my soul like congregational worship because, beloved, it is more important than family worship and private worship. 
Time after time, the psalmist describes the importance of synagogue worship. David hungered and thirsted to be with the people of God that he wasn't allowed to be with. God loves his people coming together in congregational worship more than he even does in our homes. And beloved, he truly loves us to worship him in our homes. This isn't just something you do when you have time. You don't come to church just when it's convenient for you. You come to worship God in this congregation because that's who you are. Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408 866-5607. We thank you for joining us and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner.